0: Hi everybody, I hope this post finds us all doing really well. We're up to part number 11 of this covenant of marriage and I really hope and pray that you're getting a lot from what is being released, this prophetic word that you and I from day one have been invited into a marriage covenant uh, with Christ, with the Son and it's the Father who prunes us that makes us ready for this special day, this uh, marriage, this wedding day, this wedding feast. And it's not automatic. I hope that's one thing that you're getting. It's not an automatic reality. You know, the reality is the kingdom of God is full of tensions. There are the incredible tensions that exist and we must be a people that know how to walk in the tension of the gift and the reward. We must be a people that know how to walk in the tension that God loves us. This is never in question. But do we love God? And there are consequences, both positive and negative, uh, for that reality. And part 11 is going to look at one of those incredible tensions between someone who is removed from the wedding feast, a follower of Christ, they have the garment of righteousness on but they don't have the garment of fine linen on, so they are removed from the wedding feast in the kingdom of heaven and placed into this place called outer darkness, which isn't hell. There's a real tension in there, especially if we've been brought up with the fact that we think the kingdom of heaven is heaven, and also that we think there are no consequences as followers For not living a faithful and obedient life. There are. It's very clear scripturally that there is a loss for some who don't live the kind of life that is faithful and obedient, becoming Christ-like. It's one thing to say you're a Christian. It's a completely and utterly other thing to say you are Christ-like. And be and become a disciple who is exactly like the master. And part 11 is going to have this tension in it. So hold on as we unpack and seek the Holy Spirit. Seek God for everything you'll hear. You will hear. Seek the scriptures, but seek the spirit who will reveal his version of the scriptures, not what we think and maybe not what we've been led to believe. And so part 10 took us through a real depth of our absolute need to be made ready, to have both garments on, the garment of righteousness, the garment of fine linen, and to be spotless and blameless, living out the will of God while we're here on earth, being made ready for the return of Christ. And part 11 is going to look at a consequence for not having the appropriate garment on, and as I've said, being removed from the wedding feast in the kingdom of God. So Matthew 22, 1 to 14, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call all who had been invited to the wedding feast. And they were unwilling to come. That's a choice of heart, that's a choice of mind. You're invited, but you're unwilling to come. Why would you be unwilling? We're going to look at that. Come, sorry, again, he sent out other slaves saying, Tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, oxen and my fattened livestock are butchered, and everything is ready. Come. To the wedding feast but they paid no attention and went their own way one to his farm another to his business and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them but the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few chosen. Now, the first thing we need to recognize is that this is a parable. A parable is a story where Jesus is sharing to make one overarching point. Uh, And the context of this message is in relation to the kingdom of God. Okay, so the context isn't about justification. It's a message about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as I've just stated. And so Jesus is wanting to make one main point about the story, about this parable. And that main point or the overarching point around in relation to the wedding feast is that only a few are chosen. The invitation goes out to the many. But some choose not to turn up because they've either bought a tractor, Uh, They've got married. Their priorities are not to be at this wedding feast. They choose another path. They choose another way, even though they've been invited and called to be there. A lot of people turn down the invitation due to loving their own lives. And as it says, they were not found worthy. Now, we see that in Matthew 10, where Jesus says, if you love and another, or even your own life, you're not worthy of me, you're not fit, you're not mature, you're not worthy to be part of what I have for you, even though you're invited, you stayed immature. Once again, this is not about your justified position in Christ, this is now about your inheritance in Christ, and whether you grew up into the full stature of Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and whether you were made complete as one who had been in the world as and now is a pure virgin, as spotless and blameless, whether you entered into the process of sanctification for maturity, coming into the full image of Christ himself. There are many invited, there are many who are called, but only few are chosen, And only few have the garment, the right garment that is to be on. And so there are rewards in the kingdom of heaven. Justification is a gift. Here's one of those tensions. But the prize is a reward for those who have lived in accordance to the uh, rules, it says, or in accordance to the guidelines, the boundaries that are already set by God. Let's have a look at Luke fourteen twenty five twenty six 26, because this is really important when it comes to understanding the true reality of becoming a disciple of Christ. It's not an automatic thing that you are a disciple. You've got to become a disciple, a mature disciple. Large crowds were going along with him. Large crowds go along, but they don't become intimate followers. And he turns and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Unless you hate the people closest to you, even your own life, you cannot be. His disciple. Wow, that's an incredible, powerful uh, condition that Jesus put on becoming a disciple of His. Matthew ten thirty-seven. I mentioned this just before. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me; is not fit to be mine. And he who loves son or daughter more than me. Is not worthy of me. When you place another at the center ahead of him, you're not fit to be his. He loves you. He's made a covenant with you. The problem is not whether he loves you. The problem is you don't, and we don't, and maybe I don't love him because we're not worthy. We have others and ourselves at the center of our lives instead of Christ. Now, here's the thing. If we choose to ignore these words of Christ himself, then we really do that at our own peril. We do that at our own peril. You can either not know they're here, you can gloss over them, you can try to twink them out, or you can ignore them. But if you do this, because these are the words of Jesus to us, you do it at your own peril, because he's looking to see who loves him first who loves him first and has him as the reality of first in their hearts. You see, the many, the crowd are trapped in and of themselves. And this is why Jesus turns and looks to the crowd and he calls the crowd out. He says, if you want to be a disciple of mine, here's the standard that my spirit is going to bring you up to. And if you have yourself or these other people, idols in your heart, They will get in the way of you becoming a disciple because you won't be able to go the distance with me and my spirit in becoming a disciple because you will prioritize yourself and those other people above me. And that's what we're seeing in the invitation to the wedding where people choose because they bought a tractor or they bought a property or they just got married. They're placing themselves, people and positions or uh, possession, sorry, ahead of Christ. Well, that means you won't have the right garment on. And so you too will be removed from the wedding feast. The words that the Spirit wants to confront us with is he or she cannot be my disciple. It's not an automatic thing. You've got to become like the master through losing your life for his Sake, And so the first place desire of every disciple is to become like Jesus himself. And as I've said, this isn't about whether Jesus loves you. It's whether we love him. Look at Luke 10, 25 to 29. And a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Do this and you will live. You will live this life if you're able to keep the commandment, the thing that you can't keep, the spiritual commandment. And it says that the teacher or the lawyer wanted to justify himself out of the reality that Christ was calling him into by asking, who is my neighbor? It's funny how this whole love commandment is the key to everything. If we want to walk in an inherent eternal life, then we have to keep the central commandment of the covenant, the first instruction of the marriage covenant, which is to love God with all. Now, you can't love God with all if you still love yourself. You can't love God with all if you love other people ahead of God. If you don't hate them, uh, which means if they're not a distant second, Right, You can't be his disciple. You won't be his bride. You won't have the right garment on because you're prioritizing yourself and those people ahead of God himself. And this is why the uh, the lawyer wanted to justify himself out of that position because he didn't want his heart exposed. He didn't want what was in his heart to come out. And so he's trying to get himself out of the reality that Jesus is trying to lead him to. And we can do the exact same thing. Only when you and I are able to keep the commandment of love are we able to live lives of genuine love unto God and be found with the correct garments on. You see, when we are presented with the very thing that we can't do in our ability, many of us will, like the rich young ruler, like the teacher, the lawyer, will try to justify ourselves out of the way of God and go around rather than go through. We look for these other ways. We look for other avenues. We look for other pathways because what this is going to mean is we can't do it. And man doesn't have an appetite for what he can't do. Man doesn't have a thirst for the things that he can't control. But we need to. Because this is the true and genuine work of the Holy Spirit in us. So we find ourselves being able to keep the very thing we can't keep in ourselves. And genuinely loving the Father with all, and loving our neighbour with the love of heaven. Which is, as we know, the first commandment. If we can't do that, then really the whole thing is a waste of time. Because we may end up hearing these words, Who are you? I never knew you even though you did all those things. You took my name and my authority and my power and you did your will. It's not something we want to hear and so we get removed from the wedding feast because we don't have the right garment. I don't want any of us, including myself, to have that sense of regret. It'll be too late when we're in those days. It's too late when we're faced with this loss. Now the bride is made ready now. And I want anybody to uh, regret what you could have known, how you could have lived, what you could have experienced now, which is going into, into the future. But if we will not hear, if we don't want to take this to heart, if we don't take the words of Jesus seriously and truly allow them to pierce our heart and our inner realm and just keep playing Christianity, keep doing what we've always done, then we will probably find ourselves being put into outer darkness and not being part of the wedding feast that we were invited to. Like we see many in scripture because we prioritize our own lives and we prioritize the love of others and our work and our sport and our career and our lives rather than losing those lives ahead of God and living for the will of God. So the question that I want us all to consider is this. Will you and I have the appropriate garments on at the wedding feast? Or will we find ourselves placed into the outer darkness, the place outside of the wedding feast in the kingdom of heaven? It's not hell. It's a place of shade. But we will have loss and regret because we'll be looking in, realizing that we were invited to partake of this, But because we prioritise other things ahead of God, we won't experience it. Remember, this is not a love issue on God's part. God's love is never in question. It's our love in question. Do we love others more than we love Him? Well, He's saying we're not worthy if we do. He's telling us so we can get ready now. We can turn to Him if we are found out in this state Receive what we need from Him, so we make sure at the end of our lives we have the appropriate garment on. We have the garment of righteousness because we received the blood of Christ. We have the fine linen garment, which is the righteous acts, because we lived a life of righteousness, right standing in alignment to God, doing nothing from our own initiative and we turn up with the right garment so we get to celebrate the fullness of life in the kingdom of God. Some questions for us, why is it essential we are wearing the appropriate garments? Why must we live lives of love defined by God and not what we think or believe love is? Why cannot we be His disciples if we love others more than Him? How does this loving others more than Him affect our lives now? And what steps of faith do you sense you need to take from going through this resource today? I pray this encourages you. I pray it brings things to light and maybe understanding. And I pray you would seek the Holy Spirit. These are big things that we need to grapple with in the kingdom of heaven. Once again, this is not heaven and hell reality. It is a reward reality. It's an inheritance. And God wants and has invited us all to partake of the entire thing. We'll see you soon.